Hey, welcome to In Doubt. This week we chat again with Steve Kim from Apologetics Canada on some of the most popular worldviews and how we can best engage those with worldviews other than our own. A good place to start a conversation about deep issues in life is just simply asking people, well, what do you think happens after we die? Now that is a question that everybody can resonate with. If they're human, they're gonna die. So, you know, have you thought about that, right? And just, again, give them a chance to speak their mind. That's a really good question because it kind of shows you what they believe. Hey, it's Isaac, the host of In Doubt. So as I said last week, we are re-airing a series that we did a long time ago, uh, back when In Doubt was new and fresh. We, you know, we had an amazing conversation with Steve Kim from Apologetics Canada, two of them actually, about worldviews. And because In Doubt wasn't getting as many downloads as it is today, it's important that we hear these conversations again. So this is part two to a series we called, What Do I Say? It's a series on worldviews, popular worldviews, and engaging uh, those with worldviews that aren't our own. Um, last week, we chatted about what worldviews are, or I should say Steve kind of told me about what worldviews are. And then this week, we get into some of, at least our culture's, most popular worldviews. So here's the second conversation with Steve Kim. Hey, I'm in the studio again with uh, Steve Kim. Hey, Steve. Hey, how's it going? I'm very, I'm very good. Last week, if you didn't listen, I encourage you to go listen. But um, if you didn't, I have Steve Kim with me. He is an associate at uh, Apologetics Canada. I don't know if you want to explain that really briefly there. Yeah, Apologetics Canada is a parachurch organization whose mission is to help equip the churches across Canada, engage young adults and the culture. Uh, by resourcing them, uh, by way of video resources, books, conferences, uh, that sort of a thing. Yeah. That's what we do. That's awesome. And the director, um, Andy Steiger, he was actually my world uh, religions professor, as you know, yes, uh, way back in in Bible college. And I've actually been to many of the uh, Apologetics Canada conferences as well. So if you're a listener and your apologetics interests you, I encourage you to go to uh, apologeticscanada.com. And uh, there's resources. There's a podcast, which I'll 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 put all the links uh, out there for that as well. Yeah. Yeah. But I just wanted to I want to say that I actually know Steve. Yeah, we do go back a couple of years. We we do go yeah. back a couple of years and it's I'll explain that to you. Um I had this world religions class with Andy and at the beginning of the semester uh, he told us that for midterm uh, we're going to have to tell the gospel to his agnostic Buddhist friend. Yours truly. Yes, yours truly, Steve. So we, we had no idea who, who Steve was, this whole class. And Andy told the whole class this, and all of us, just it was just white. They just, everyone went pale because they're like, we're going to have to actually share the gospel, which seems kind of funny at a Bible college that people would get so nervous about uh, sharing the gospel. Actually, apparently I was pretty convincing, for one, because uh, I looked the part, apparently, you... <laughs> uh, because I had really short hair back then. And what happened was uh, my wife... You know, and I, we were talking about saving money, that sort of thing. So she decided to give me a haircut. So one evening she called me into the bathroom and I go in there and she's got the buzzer and just an array of clips, like just laying no. there on the table. And I'm like, okay, what am I getting myself into? <laughs> so I sit down, she's, you know, puts a clip on and then she starts buzzing my hair. Now I'm thinking... She'll probably go from the back a bit or the side. Yep. No, no, no. She started going right down the oh, middle on the top of my head. And I was like, okay, well, we're committed now, aren't we? <laughs> That's so right. eventually she just buzzed 
my head all together, and so I had really short hair. So by the time I got to Pacific Life Bible College, where we were doing this thing, I, I apparently looked the part. You, yeah, and I, I remember I, I walked in there, and I, and I see you there. And before we start, you did like this yeah. funny, like, prayer thing. You put your hands together and like yeah, bowed. bowing down. So I pulled out every sort of apparent idiosyncrasies, stuff that you can see on the outside, right? You know, putting my hands together yeah. and doing the bow to yeah. greet people or things like that. And um, and I tried to make it really convincing by saying things like, uh, like a non-Christian would say, right? So I, I would tell each student, so Andy tells me that you're going to share with share with me in two minutes your Christian gospel. Right? Yeah. It's not just the gospel, it's Christian, <laughs> gospel, Christian gospel, right? <laughs> so little things like that apparently was pretty convincing. Oh, you were. I, I was, I, I was, my knees were shaking. I tried to really uh, put it on, but I, I was, it was, uh, <laughs> it was great. No, yeah. such a relief though at the end when you're like, I'm actually yeah. a Christian. It was I'm like, actually, oh, yeah. <laughs> Andy, that was a, that was a good one. please don't tell anyone else. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Don't ruin the experience for them. Yeah, no, it's, it was great. Uh, so Steve and I, we've actually been having a conversation kind of about worldviews, talking about how to, as Christians, well, we'll eventually get there, how, the question of how to engage non-Christians. Last week, uh, you should go listen to it. We talked a lot about uh, worldviews, kind of talking about what exactly is a, is a worldview and sort of the main worldviews of our day. We're going to kind of get into that today. So in our in our culture today, um, kind of Western culture, you know, uh, 21st century, what are the main worldviews of our day? Right. I, I would point out uh, at least a couple of them. One is naturalism and the other is postmodern relativism. And by naturalism, I mean the view that this world is all there is. Reality is ultimately reducible to matter and energy. Uh, there's nothing supernatural outside of it. There's no God, no angels, no demons. We don't have souls. The whole reality is material, and we don't have anything immaterial out there. So that that is one I, I think is a very popular worldview. Not so much um, sort of across the board, um, but I think naturalism has a hold on some very important institutions of our day, cultural institutions like our universities mm-hmm. uh, or our our government and things like that. And to go with that. Uh, we also have secularism. Secularism is basically the idea that, simply put, you're not going to have any religious foundations for doing things and doing things. And so, for example, our government is a secular government. So when they make policies, mm-hmm. they're not going to base it on, found it on any particular uh, religious foundation, religious beliefs, uh, and that sort of a thing. So I think that's a very kind of a popular or at least very influential, I should yeah. say, worldview. Yeah, the other one is postmodern relativism. Relativism is basically the idea that all truth is relative. Like there is no such thing as absolute truth, mm-hmm. but we just kind of have to measure it by what other people believe is true, that sort of a thing. Right. And so you can't claim any sort of objective truth outside of ourselves, right? So truth is, in a sense, what we make it out to be. Um, and that will have implications for our religious views. Uh, I find that uh, in, in Canada, especially, that's very much the case, that when, especially when it comes to religion, there is this common notion that, well, all religions are the same, basically. Yeah. And they're only superficially different, yeah. that sort of thing. So I would say, those two, secularism and naturalism on the one hand, and postmodern relativism on the other hand, 
are very significant worldviews. Aside from the Judeo-Christian worldview, which sort of forms the basis for the founding of Canada as well as the United States yeah. and any Western country, I would say. So w- would you say that most secularists, would you say that most are naturalists or is it hard? Is there so many? Because when, when you explain yeah. naturalism too, I'm thinking, well, that sounds like atheism, but can you be an atheist right. and not a naturalist? Uh, you know? Right. Uh, atheism and naturalism often go hand in hand. Yeah. Uh, many, if not most atheists, I find are naturalists. That, so they believe this world is all there is. But there are certain kinds of atheists that may believe in some kind of a supernatural reality, like Buddhists, for example. Mm-hmm. Buddhism, strictly speaking, uh, is an atheistic religion. Okay. But uh, nonetheless, for example, people that belong to the Mahayana tradition, more of the sort of the reformed tradition, if you will, of Buddhism, uh, they do believe in certain supernatural things like uh, bodhisattvas. And when you are enlightened, you you become a Buddha and you have your own sort of paradise, if you will, where you can bring other people to and then you can help them achieve nirvana, that sort of a thing. So, uh, so that would be atheism without naturalism. Is that correct? Right. Okay. So this natural world isn't all there right. is. But again, it, it really kind of depends. Eastern philosophies are, they often suffer the death of incoherence, if you will. Eastern philosophies tend to be a lot more comfortable with what in the West we would consider logical contradictions and things like that. That's especially the case with Hinduism, but um, not all atheists are naturalists. Right. Now, would you say that this relativistic, you know, postmodernism, you can't really be a naturalist and believe that because you would, naturalist would say there is objective truth, there is only this. I think, I think you can be a relativist and a naturalist, but you would just say that, well, this is what I believe. Okay. It's not necessarily what you believe. And what's true for me is true for me. What's true for you is true for you. So if you find that, you know, Christianity is true, well, then that's true for you. I, I think naturalism is true. Ugh. So I, I know it's <laughs> it's not very um, – it, it's hard to wrap our mind around right. um, because postmodern relativism – it's not very logical. Let's just put it that way. That's the simple way of putting it. So if I were to just kind of explain the views or, or the, describe the consequences of the views a little bit, I find that atheistic naturalism ultimately removes anything that, that we cherish as human beings. For example, uh, on, if this world is just a collection of matter and energy, then we can't have anything like value, duty, morality, or at least any objective morality, or meaning, and things like that, things that we find are really important to us. Now, I'm not saying that atheists are immoral people. That's not at all what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that given naturalism, morality ultimately reduces down to some kind of a sociobiological adaptation. It's just the way we've evolved, and that's how we sort of get along and survive as a species. But that that doesn't tell me that this morality that we've developed is an objective one. If we wind back the clock of evolution and start it all over again, we might have arrived at a very different kind of a morality. Then that would be our morality, very different from what we have here and now. And so, so I'm not saying that atheists are immoral people. Right. I have many atheist friends who are really good people right. that care about others, uh, so on and so forth. 
But the problem is that if this world is just a bunch of particles in motion, it's really difficult to make sense of anything immaterial. Right. So this is this is what happens. I like to use this illustration, for okay. example. Let's just say we have two dominoes, dominoes A and B. Mm-hmm. We have at least two possible scenarios here. Domino A falls and knocks domino B down, yeah. or the reverse of it, domino B falls and knocks domino A down. Now, my question is, which scenario is evil, right? I see a bit of a smirk on your face because you obviously recognize that this question is nonsense. Right. It's just just physics. There's nothing moral or immoral about it. It's a morally neutral right. event. So then what I ask people is, okay, let's just imagine we have 100 dominoes. Does that change anything? Well, no, it's just more of the same, just more of physics. Let's say we have a billion dominoes, trillion dominoes, or let's say we have as many dominoes as we have particles in this universe. Does that change anything? No, it's still all blind physics. So where in that process do we get, at what point do we get something like morality, which depends on values like good and evil, which already are immaterial things, so if this world is all just material things, then where do we get these concepts like, you know, good and evil? These are immaterial things. And duty, too, moral duty, for example. Duty is simply something that you owe to people. Mm-hmm. How do you even arrive at something immaterial as duty, like objective duty, when we're just all particles in motion? In fact, I would go so far as to say that on naturalism... You can't even have knowledge because it's just all particles in motion. So what I believe has nothing to do with whether something is true or not. It's just that the particles happen to arrange themselves in my mind that way. And so we have no free will because of that too, just because it's just all blind physical process, just one thing, one domino falling and striking the next, and there's no free will there. You can't do other than you do which then throws out rationality out the window because rationality requires free will. What I mean by that is this. When, when you are having a sort of a rational discourse or when you're sifting through your ideas, you have multiple ideas and you're judging whether you know, this idea is true or this idea is false. And then what you would do is you would choose the ideas that are true and reject the rest. Yes. Right. So that takes free will because you have to actually choose which right. one you're going to believe. And so without free will, you can't have rationality. But if you know anything about, if if you have atheist friends, agnostic friends, one thing that they take pride in is the fact that many atheists and agnostics are rational people. Yeah, they do. And and a lot of them really are. Mm -hmm. Um, So then my question is, well, how do you make sense of that in a world where we're just all particles colliding, just one physical process happening after another necessarily, and you can't stop that process. So I think that's that's a one big problem with, with that worldview. And on the other hand is relativism. Right. Well, relativism, it's a really funny one because uh, relativists will tell you that what's true for you is true for you, what's true for me is true for me. There is no such thing as objective truth. Yeah. Uh, if you've noticed, that's like saying, I only believe in sentences that are made up of three words or less. Right. Right? I just contradicted myself. 
It's like me <laughs> saying, um, especially because I'm an immigrant here now, a naturalized citizen, but I used to say this, I can't speak English, right? Uh, of course, what I meant by that was I don't speak English very well, but yeah. if, I, if I actually meant I can't speak English and I said that in English, I'd be contradicting myself, exactly. right? So relativism is kind of like that because nobody can get away from making an objective truth claim. Even the person who says there is no such thing as truth is saying it is true that there is no such thing as truth. And I find that many relativists, the way, the, the reason they hold to relativism is because they don't want to offend other people. Right. Especially in Canada, we, we're reputed to be polite, and I do find that that's the case, uh, just looking at it from an outsider's perspective. And so, uh, well, you believe in Christianity, that's fantastic. Well, I believe in Buddhism, and, and we can all get along, you know, and we can gather around the campfire and sing Kumbaya. And I, I'm like, okay, wonderful. The problem is, I would say just about every worldview is, well, I, I would say every worldview, every religion is exclusivist yeah. because truth is exclusivist. That's right. right. So once I say that two plus two equals four, I'm saying that two plus two does not equal five. Yeah. Two plus two does not equal three. Another example is if I were to tell you that my phone number is 555-1234, mm. right? I am excluding other phone numbers. You are not going to reach me <laughs> at 555-1233. That's right. Right? And I'm not being intolerant, by the way. It's just the way it is. That's right. right? So, and the problem is most worldviews, they are just, um, they make exclusive truth claims. Even the Baha'i who say that all roads lead to Rome, basically, mm. They exclude the exclusivists. Right. They will tell Christians that they are wrong for saying that Jesus is the only way. Right. And Jesus does say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Now, that's a radically exclusivist that's claim, right. but all the other religions make the same mm -hmm. claim. So all that is to say relativism kind of falls apart that way too. You went into great depth of atheism and kind of naturalism and also uh, relativistic uh, postmodernism. And I think the first kind of step of how to engage non-Christians as a Christian is to understand all that. So that's, we need to understand that. So the next thing then, what's sort of some practical things that we can do to help ourselves engage in conversation, uh, our right. friends who may be these other worldviews? A number of things come to mind. The first one is, and this applies to just about every sort of an interaction that we have, we want to make friends with them. We want to actually care about mm -hmm. our friends who are atheists, Buddhists, um, you know, devotees of Hare Krishna and what have you. I used to be in sales, actually, and uh, there are a couple of things that I took away from that experience. And one of them is people don't care how much you know unless unless they know how much you care about them. And so you got to put people first, and you can't necessarily do that with uh, an agenda. Like, so you can't make friends with somebody solely for the purpose of converting them. And people are pretty perceptive to things like that. If anything, in our postmodern culture, or you know, at least what we think is postmodern <laughs> culture, that's a whole other topic. But people really care about authenticity. Yeah. And if they find that you're not being authentic with them, that you have some hidden agenda that you're not bringing to the surface. Now, it's totally fine. I was having a conversation with an agnostic friend just the other night, and, and I told him, look, you, you were a Christian too, so I'm going to bring this out on the table. When we're having these conversations about these really important things, I have an agenda in mind, and that is I want to you know, help you come back to faith. 
And he actually really appreciated that. And he said, well, if you actually believe that's true, I think actually this is another friend that was telling me, saying an atheist once said that he thinks Christians are just all hypocritical because they say that they believe what they believe, but they don't care to convert me. Right? Obviously, they don't believe what they say they believe. And so I, I brought that out on the table and I told this guy, look, this is my goal, if you will. This is my agenda. I just wanted you to know that as we're having this conversation, so we, you know, we're transparent about it. And he appreciated that. That's cool. And so bring it out on the table. It's it's fine to have an agenda. The problem is when you start hiding it as though it's not there. But of course, you know, you, you, you're, you're going to have to pick the right time and place to actually bring that out on the table. But um, you definitely want to do that at some point in your conversation with your friend, right. just let them know, hey, I'm a Christian, and as a Christian, this is what I believe. And so I just want you to know that when we're having this conversation, there is that agenda there. That doesn't mean that's all I care about. I care about you as a friend, but just know that. And so when you have the relationship, the the second thing is, is you're having a conversation. See, here's one thing that I think a lot of Christians can do better is listening because we're we're so passionate, a lot of us are passionate about what we believe. Things that are important to us are, well, those are the kinds of things that make us passionate, right? And so in our zeal, often we go on talking about what we believe as Christians, but we don't take the time to listen to, say, our atheist friends, why they are atheists and what they believe about the world. Just bite your tongue and give them a chance to say what they want to say. Even if it makes you uncomfortable, it's terribly uncomfortable for me to hear about, you know, how he thinks that Christians are a bunch of hypocrites or he had this terrible experience at church or that he thinks uh, believing in God is the same thing as believing in unicorns or the flying spaghetti monster. Yeah. You know, you'll get that kind of stuff. Yeah. And you know what? That's fine. Just develop a thick skin uh, because you need to give that person a chance to bring all of that to the table. That's, good. That's right. Then you can start addressing it later. But if you don't give them even that chance, well, people are not going to be interested in hearing what you have to say. Uh, you have to kind of reciprocate that way. The third point I would bring out is ask lots of good questions. Yeah. Uh, Greg Kokel is great about that. Uh, that's K-O-U-K-L. He wrote a book called Tactics, and I would recommend that to our listeners. And it's all about asking questions. Now, when we look at books written on apologetics, we often get a lot of the the what of apologetics, but not so much the how of it. Mm -hmm. So we learn a lot of arguments like the Kalam cosmological argument, the moral argument, that sort of a thing. Yeah. But then the next step is, well, how do we bridge that now? How do we use that to talk to people? Mm -hmm. So ask lots of good questions. Uh, I'm not going to get into a lot of detail on that because you can get all of that from that book, Tactics. Cool. And finally, I would say, um, well, actually, second to the last one, a good place to start a conversation about deep issues in life is just simply asking people, well, what do you think happens after we die? Right. Now, that is a question that everybody can sort of resonate with. Uh, if they're human, they're going to die. So, you know, have you thought about that? Right. And just, again, give them a chance to speak their mind, that sort of a thing. And that will that's a really good question because it kind of shows you what they believe. Yeah. If they say, well, I think we're going to come back again and again, and that tells you he believes in some kind of a, an Eastern philosophy of some, some sort, yeah. Hinduism or Buddhism. And if the person says, well, it, this life is all there is, you know, that's kind of going more towards naturalism, yeah. that sort of thing. So that'll give you an idea. 
And finally, just pray for them. I know this is really cliche, especially in a, in a Christian setting, but this is something I struggle with too. Uh, when I'm about to talk to people, I always, not always, but I often forget to pray. In my busyness to prepare for the conversation, I forget to do the most important thing of all. See, this is this is my struggle. I It's really easy for us to trick ourselves into thinking that we are the ones converting the right. people. Mm-hmm. Well, as Christians, we know that's not the case, right? The Holy Spirit is yeah. the one that does the conversion. Um, we're just playing a small part of it. Right. And I got to remember that. I just got to take a step back. Yeah. Just for, even for half a minute, say a word of prayer yeah. before and after. Okay. So those are some things that I would leave our listeners with. Well, I always say, too, when it comes to, like, saving souls, um, we're called to be fishers of men. So we have to let out our nets or cast our line. But then the the act of the fish grabbing onto the, the hook or going to right. the net, that's the Holy Spirit's work. Mm-hmm. You know? But we do have to be faithful to that. So that's great. Absolutely. Okay, well, thank you so much, Steve. That was amazing. And I'll, I'll give the listeners uh, more information about uh, where you can learn more about Apologetics Canada and also about the book Tactics by Greg Kokel as well. And uh, also, I'll list out the five tips on uh, engaging non-Christians well. But thank you so much, Steve. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Awesome. As I mentioned last week, evangelism and engaging others with other worldviews ultimately needs to come from a good and a pure heart, right? The issue is that many of us struggle actually with sharing the gospel, you know, stripped away from all the apologetics, all of the worldview stuff, just the gospel. And therefore, our conversations on worldviews and religions and those kind of things may be from a spirit not of necessarily a pure evangelism, but rather maybe pride or you just want to talk about how much you know or maybe just pure fun. Anyways, we need a spirit-filled heart for evangelism. But many of us, like I just said, struggle with sharing Christ with others. And I believe ultimately it comes from a root of unbelief. All sin comes from unbelief. Anyways, I want to give three truths to help all of us fight that unbelief so that we can engage others with the gospel along with our knowledge of worldviews and all that kind of stuff as well. So here's the first truth. Jesus has all authority. You know, fight your unbelief with persistently believing in the fact that Jesus is in total control. Secondly, God has called us to be his disciples, to make disciples of the nations. So fight your unbelief with persistently believing in the fact that he's called and chosen you for that task. And thirdly, there is no other name on heaven or earth by which man can be saved. So fight your unbelief with persistently believing that Jesus is the only way that anyone can be saved from the tortuous, you know, eternal torment of hell. So if you are one of those Christians like me that can struggle with sharing the gospel, humbly recognize and repent of your unbelief. After that, fight your unbelief with constant truth that Jesus is in control, that God has chosen you, and that Jesus is the only way. Anyways, that wraps up In Doubt this week. To connect with us during the week, head to our Facebook or Twitter or Instagram pages to tell us a story, give us a suggestion of a topic or guest, or maybe you just want to say hi, just email us at info at indoubt.ca. For all our other resources and past episodes, just go to indoubt.ca. Also, if In Doubt is something you enjoy on a weekly, monthly, or just once in a while basis, consider helping us find 
financially. The Endowed podcast and everything else we do at Endowed isn't run by funds we've somehow gained through profit. We're charity and run solely based off people like you. Even if you're able to give five or ten dollars, it means a lot. If this interests you, just click the donate button at Indoubt.ca if you live in Canada or Indoubt.com if you live in the States. Anyways, I'm Isaac and this is Indoubt. Indoubt Ministries exist to bring a biblical perspective into the relevant issues of life and faith that young adults face every day. For more information, check out indoubt.ca if you live in Canada and indoubt.com if you live in the U.S.